world is changing at a rate that we've never seen before. From business to art to sports, these changes are affecting every aspect of our lives. My name is Nick Kastner, and we're setting out to talk with the people who are altering the way things are done. Along with Alec McChesney, this is The Commonwealth. Today, we have former Commonwealth guest, Paul Jarrett. Paul is the CEO of Bulu, which, which is a company that makes subscription boxes for big brands like Clorox and Crayola and BuzzFeed. I used to work for Bulu, and one of the first episodes of the Commonwealth, we had Paul and his, wi- and his wife, Stephanie, on. Um, Paul, thanks for coming back on the, uh, on the show. Thanks for having me on, man. And I'm very jealous of your beautiful hair. We're like the opposites. Like, <laughs> yeah, your hair yeah. is down on my beard. Yeah, so, I am um, looking I'm good. Double, thank you. Thank you. I'm doubling down on the long hair growth and we'll get a cut when this uh, like whole mess winds down. <laughs> um, you might have really long hair by the time yeah, that happens. Yeah, it'll be, um, it'll be to my ass by the end of this. Um, good, good to see you. Thanks for having me on. Yes, of course. So um, when I was like approaching what to talk to you about, I um, so some companies, it seems very polarized, like some companies are affected by this pandemic greatly. And others, yeah, others like Clorox are like doing um, or hitting like record sales numbers. And with Yeah, and with Bulu, like shipping product that that could be good for them, but on the other hand, like some of the boxes are like expendable. Um, so how how has the pandemic changed the like Bulu business model? Yeah, well, um, I think it changed for us overnight. <laughs> um, so I would say that you know um, the the good news is is that we're in e commerce, we're in digital commerce and that's a good place to be um the bad news is that um you know a lot of our partners are retail companies that the a significant portion of their revenue comes from retail foot traffic right 80 percent of all sales still happen in stores versus 20 percent online and you know that 80 percent dwindled down to i think like 30 percent um, so that's super significant. Um, and then, you know, on the plus side, um, you know, uh, it hasn't, the pandemic hasn't slapped Nebraska in the face like as other states. Um, and then, you know, on the um, negative side, um, you know, we do have some essential goods, um, but we do have some stuff that isn't necessarily essential. So um, I think that for us, um, you know, we had been tinkering towards the end of this year, or I'm sorry, towards the end of 2019. Uh, we were actually working on a software. Uh, we had some extra time, extra capital. We kind of had our business model really down pat. Um, the challenge was, you know, as you experience, like, you know, landing big clients and, and getting them going takes a ridiculous amount of time. So, you know, it took two years to get Crayola up and running. You know, it took, uh, we have Hasbro and Clorox that, you know, we get paid with and we're working with, but like it takes a significant amount of time to give up, put that up. So we thought, how can we do some, you know, software or additional services that creates more revenue? Um, we had a pretty damn cool app and concept and everything. Um, you know, we went through five or six different ideas. I put in hundreds of phone calls um, and I think almost the three days before we had like the app interface and what it was supposed to do and all that stuff. And bam, this stuff hit completely made the app irrelevant. 
Uh, so maybe that's a blessing in disguise. Um, but one of the things that we found in our phone calls with all these companies um, is that they really needed e-commerce support. And so um, because we had did that, we learned that, um, you know, a lot of like custom fulfillment, small fulfillment, um, you know, just managing stuff on Amazon, managing customer service for e-commerce, um, there was a huge gap in the market for that. And so um, although we didn't want to go that route, again, the market told us to with the pandemic. So um, we had always built out all of our marketing message and everything with the word like subscription box. So private label subscription box um, um, programs. And we always thought that we had dropped the word subs- uh, box. So then it would just be private label subscription program like support. Um, but really what's ended up happening is I think, and this really seems to be relevant, is that we're just going to be private label e-commerce services. So whether you need customer service, uh, uh, fulfillment, um, website build, uh, pretty much everything except for paid marketing, um, we're going to support those things. So again, you know, um, not necessarily what we wanted or had the vision. There's always a big difference between what you want to do and what the market wants. And that is incredibly hard to separate that from. So I think, yeah, overnight, um, you know, whether it was uh, universities or high schools wanting like a graduation kit or learning at home kits, boy, the number, (laughs) it's like the number of coffee subscription box and marijuana subscription box overnight turned into um, mask and sanitizer boxes. That's the number one call. And so we're fielding any and everything because, you know, we have been impacted. We have lost a significant amount of revenue. Um, And so how do we backfill that? How do we take advantage of all that? And, you know, we'll see. Yeah. um, I have a a baby crying in the background, like, you know, most people do. I got a dog licking its butt right here. Like yeah. over here i got a baby crying so we're we're in it baby yeah yes have you seen those of uh, the um how late night tv's like adapted that the, it's like the jimmy fallon's kid does the intro like you'll they'll, it's like all like hand drawn and stuff i've seen i've seen a little bit of it um i didn't like it at first and then like i don't know like it the John Oliver stuff is like usually what I watch and I'm, mm-hmm. I'm almost like just throw a laugh track in there for my stupid ass. Cause you know, I'm not picking yeah. up on some. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, so I assume Bulu is completely remote. Like the office has gone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We went, we went remote earlier and, and we get, we, we kind of a little bit of flack for it. Yeah. How did you um, make those big changes that, that you just spoke to with the, like, with the company 100% remote? Was, was that challenging? Um, executionally, not. I think emotionally, it's taking its toll on people. Um, March 12th, I'll forever remember. Um, I think it was March 12th, but, you know, we were watching actually our nephew, uh, Noah Vedral. Um, he's a uh, plays uh, backup quarterback at university of Nebraska and then, um, decided to play basketball for Nebraska. And, uh, so we were watching him, he got in the game and we we're watching him and we we're also watching the coach, the coach literally like physically went down with the flu. I don't know if you saw that. Yeah. I, and, I was watching. Um, yeah. 
Yeah. And then they quarantined everybody after the game and I'm texting with him and he's like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, bro, you're being quarantined. And he's like, what? Like, it was pretty crazy. Um, and that was the moment where like, it wasn't even an option to me. I kind of like looked over at Stephanie and I was like, yeah, we should call everybody right now and have them go remote. And, and the only thing we changed was like, well, let's have them come into the office so that we can tell everybody face to face. And we told them and I'd say, you know, half the group was like, awesome. Thank you. We actually had one or two people already that started working remote. They asked to, and I even thought it was a little excessive, uh, but I wanted to be respectful of it. And then, you know, two days later we were telling everybody and half the group was like, are you kidding me? And the other half was like, thank you very much. And, you know, we're all ready. You know, we're the company where you'll sit next to somebody and slack them, even though you're sitting right next to them. Right. Um, (laughs) So executionally, it was fine, but um, you can see and feel people are, you know, they're kind of going a little bit bananas. Um, the warehouse was the really stressful and continues to be like probably the, you know, the really stressful thing to figure out for sure. Yeah. And I'm sure the, um, like operating in a warehouse, there's like CDC guidelines you have to comply with. How have you, like, how, how has that gone? And how, how are you even staying updated? with them because it seems like everything, like something new is happening every day. Um, that I'm yeah. sure, especially in that world, it's, it, it's the same. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever read, like I'm, I would consider myself a reader or, you know, audio booker. Like I've, I've almost switched exclusively to audio books and podcasts because you can speed things up. Right. Um, downloaded, uh, Oh, what's, what's it called? Downloaded an app that basically reads PDFs and stuff for you. So, um, you know, I'm up till three, four in the morning. It's like I work during the day and then the kids go to bed at nine 30 and then I'm, I'm up almost consistently to like 4am just reading, um, and writing down notes. And I'll say that 90% of them are worthless, right? Um, at the time they seem important, then you sleep and you wake up and you're like, that's not important at all. Um, (laughs) And then, you know, really just like hitting up our lawyers, accountants, um, other people and saying like, hey, I I caught this. Is this what this means? Does this make sense? Um, And, um, you know, Google alerts. I mean, you're just any and everything you're absorbing. I'll say probably the most worthless thing that I've wasted way too much time doing are like these um, group conference calls, you know, like you're, you know, God bless our accountants and everybody, but like, if you're really reading stuff in real time and then you hop on a call and then somebody's like, let's talk about this PPP SBA thing. And you're like, yo, that was like a week ago. And everybody on this call should have read that. We shouldn't wait for a call to read it. So those things are, have been painfully time consuming and worthless, but I'd say like, it's a lot of Google alerts, shit, sprint, read it, call whoever, our team's been fantastic. Our lawyers and accounting team of just like taking my calls 24 seven, um, probably just as far as passwords and information and pin numbers, like way too many people have those, but it's just, it's a mad dash. And it is, it is pulling every favor, every lever. I mean, I had to like text the CEO of a bank that we don't even use asking for favors. Right. Um, just to like, um, you know, get stuff submitted. So yeah, that's, that was probably the first two, two and a half weeks. And I'd probably say there was 
four of us that were solely committed to that and just texting 24 seven saying, did you read this? Did you read this? Yeah. Have you gotten any of that loan loan or grant money yet from the Got it, baby? Yeah. 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 Got it. And how, uh, how valuable was that to like keep the operation? Huge, huge. Um, it has allowed us to, um, I want to be careful because I don't know what I can share. Well, I, actually, I don't really care, but I believe we got in the neighborhood of like half a million bucks to cover payroll. Um, and that'll last us like a couple of months. Um, and that money was lost um, due to coronavirus and our partners saying, hey, look, we're not going to ship or their warehouses are shut down um or whatever so it's cool that like something that happened to us and we went from shit how do we cut how do we do whatever and you're just like are you kidding me like is this even worth it right i mean it's been a real roller coaster you know and then you you go well are we really gonna bank you know a couple of weeks on getting this federal thing that changes every five minutes and we took the risk and you know it it's 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 been very appreciated right it's like it's cool because it's working exactly how it should work right yeah yeah interesting and how have you communicated all like the how you're moving forward like at at the beginning you like laid out what the new what the new plan is how have you even communicated that to to your team with everyone places like has has that been challenging or is it just a simple zoom call no i super i I really struggle with that because you know we didn't really say you know here's the new vision here's the new like all right everybody listen up here's what we're gonna do we we didn't do that um i would say that we were and continue to be painfully transparent, open and honest. Um, people can text me from our company or our partners 24 seven, 365. I get back almost immediately. Um, but I struggle with that because when this first started going down, everything that was sent to me, everything that you read, everything that advisors, mentors, investors, um, everybody was like, all right, in a standard recession, da, 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 you cut 33%. Um, you need to turn into a general and you basically like, you know, crack the whip on people and you say, we're cutting everybody's salary 33%. We're cutting staff 30, like cut, 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 cut. And, um, being that, you know, I have a little bit of experience and I've not been through anything like this, but I've been through the kind of like panic mode, right? Like, you know, and, and what's interesting is like really experienced people will still go into panic mode. And, you know, I just looked at it and I thought if this was me, we've been running our company for eight years. And I thought if this was me in the first four to five years of the business, for sure, the first year or two, I would definitely do exactly that. Right. Um, and I thought, you know, figure out financially where we're at, figure out what's happening. Um, you know, we're almost updating the, our business model and our financials hourly now. Um, and you know, you don't have to do anything right now. Right. And so, you know, what I have seen is a lot of people that are leading companies, they're either going into full cutting mode, um, or they're pretending like this isn't happening or they're just like, acting like they're screwed, everything's over or like whatever. Right. And so I always think of like, if 
over here we have cut, cut, cut. And over here we have do nothing. Where in the middle do we live in reality? Like, like, is if it's the whole like, is that the truth or is that what we're telling ourselves? And it's really easy to like execute what the world tells you or what investors or advisors tell you. But like having those those clarity moments and sitting back and thinking like, okay, like what really truly is the wisest thing to do? And frankly, like arguing with a lot of people, what is and isn't, um, you know, that it, it's, you know, knock on wood, literally knock on wood, um, that's working out well for us. But um, my biggest fear is probably that um, either our employer, employees, um, investors, advisors, whoever, look at my actions and go, oh, he's not doing anything, right? Or, um, you know, they, they misinterpret the leadership style um, because everything that people are comparing this to is irrelevant. Like, you know, yeah, this is a, a recession, but like it's wrapped up in a fucking pandemic, right? Hopefully I can cut, sorry. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. like there's no fucking playbook for a pandemic, right? So like um, for, for businesses, right? For most, mm-hmm. maybe. I mean, I haven't seen the e-commerce pandemic playbook. Um, um, and so I think it's, I think it's irresponsible to jump to a strategy and playbook that's irrelevant for this scenario. Right. And so, um, I'm really pleased with, I feel like our employees, um, coworkers were hopefully, and it feels like they were really patient and they weren't, you know, there's the moments where people are panicking a little bit or freaking out, but like it was probably about two to three weeks before we really sat down and went like, okay, here's what, here's what we're going to do. Here's the situation. Yes. We have looked at cuts. Yes. We have looked at da, 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 da. ultimately nothing changes. We're still going to give raises. We're going to do everything that we can to, you know, support everybody. And, you know, we just actually looked at the new numbers and projections last night. Uh, we got a call with some financial people in a couple hours and, you know, um, again, knock on wood. Um, but you know, everything's, uh, it doesn't look as bleak as it did a while ago. Um, so I'm, I'm really pleased with it. And I feel like when it's all said and done, um, you know, I, I was joking with somebody and I said, if there's like a business pandemic strategy award, we better fucking win first place. Cause I feel like we're maneuvering this incredibly well. Um, not to sound arrogant, but you know, the, the reason for that is because like, we've been through so much shit, like our business should not exist. Like from raising capital to pivoting to everything, you know, if there's ever a story or a book written about it, it'll be like, you know, too dumb to fail. Right. Like that'll be, that'll be the book. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, having been through all of that, I think entrepreneurs who have suffered through the 18 month death Valley Um, entrepreneurs that have lived longer than, you know, a handful of years, I think they're uniquely qualified for this. Um, I got to share one, one quick thing, which I thought was like super interesting and, and, um, uh, comforting, but I was talking with, um, an entrepreneur and we're just nonchalantly talking about everything like death and, you know, finances and whatever. And, um, I, I, at the end of the call, I said, hey, hey, man, I really appreciate this. It feels like 
like, I don't know, I was able to just openly talk to you about a lot of important things. And, you know, even my co-founder and our team, like, you know, they get a little bit upset or frustrated and he started laughing and he said, do you feel more comfortable in a pandemic? And I said, oh God, that's a great question. I hate to say it, but I think I do. And he started laughing and he goes, me too. I've talked to a couple of other entrepreneurs and they're almost like, yes, like chaos. Like we know, like it feels more normal, you know, like your back's against the wall, like bullets are flying, people are dying. Like you're back in the trenches, right? And you're like, fuck, I know, like, I know, I know what to do here. You know what I mean? And a lot of the people, entrepreneurs that I'm talking to, like they went through a really rough time and now they're running like a successful company. And it's almost like you yearn for that chaos or whatever. And I'm like, what is that? That's like sadistic, like sadomasochist stuff. And, and I think that has translated into like the whole, like, you know, we're not going to freak out and cut 33%. We're not going to like freak out and go into like, everybody listen to me. Here's what we're doing. Like, it's like this weird, like, oh, this actually over an eight, over an eight year span, this actually feels a little bit more comfortable than it should. So um, I don't know what that is. It's, you know, they're, they're, uh, it's probably inappropriate or not the right way to do it, but it's, it's the truth. And it was cool to hear like somebody else say that. Cause I was like, kind of living inside myself going like, ah, like I'm shockingly okay with this. Ugh, what is that? You know? Yeah. And interesting that the just like level of chaos entrepreneurs are like, are used to experiencing and, and yeah. like that chaos is now like um, expanded to everyone. So that's yeah. an interesting perspective. Yeah, um, so and, and like, don't, don't get me wrong. And like, you know, that I enjoy it or whatever, you know, it's like, I'm saying like, I feel comfortable. I would say if there wasn't like death involved, like I would really be okay with it. But like, that's, that's the stuff that it, I don't know. It's like, it's like, Oh, the monkey's back on my shoulders. Okay. Like I'm, I know what that feels like. I feel comfortable with that. Yeah. Um, so I, um, um, am going to switch gears to a different, like slightly more personal podcast, but before doing that, um, if you're listening and would like to get notified about the next conversation we release, you can, um, you can text the word common to three, one nine, nine, six, and we'll shoot you the link as soon as, as soon as that drops, that's C O M M O N to three, one nine, nine, six. Um, and so Paul, you like, during this pandemic, you're launching your own podcast. Yeah, we did. Yeah. yeah. No um, <laughs> so, so that's the second podcast you've worked on. The first one was like an Apple, um, Apple top of the charts for entrepreneurship. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. This one is not as entrepreneurship, but what, uh, what's the show about? So the podcast, well, thank you for bringing it up. Uh, the podcast is called fail disclosure. It's a plan full disclosure. Um, and if anybody's ever seen, or, or I guess listened to the podcast, beautiful anonymous, um, it's very similar structure. I'm a huge fan of beautiful anonymous. I've had this, you know, idea. Um, it's kind of like a, a ripped version of beautiful anonymous. I was inspired by beautiful anonymous maybe, but the concept of the show is that, um, running a business and talking to other folks that run a business, there is shit that goes down that you just can't share with anybody for legal reasons, for um, whatever reason it is. 
and you know these are these are the things where you know the boss has a relationship with somebody um you know somebody's uh, uh staying in the office and using the sink to wash themselves this is the you know uh pot found in the office um you know these are the crazy things that you know nobody can talk about um and when you you know meet up with other people that are running businesses and you have a few drinks or whatever sometimes these stories slip out they will never get out to the normal world um entrepreneurs ceos just will never share these things and they're always the best stories and they're always the most interesting so i thought to myself like what if we had an anonymous call-in podcast and people would share their epic fails um their epic uh stories inappropriate all the wild stuff at work and they're protected because no names, locations, or companies are used. Um, wouldn't that be interesting? And my buddy Clint, who runs a company called Arch Rival, who, you know, I look up to him. He's super smart, um, super accomplished, all that stuff. Uh, he he uh, came to me one day and said, uh, hey, I saw your post on LinkedIn about asking, should you start a podcast? I want to do a podcast with you. And I was like, what? Okay. Um, and before I, he left, I was like, hey, I just want to pitch to you this idea. Anonymous callers um, talk about HR issues that happen to them at their business. And he freezes and he looks at me and he goes, I love it, which is rare for Clint. And, and he knows, I would say he, he's got a pretty good gauge on what's good and what's bad creatively, right? Um, and he goes, it's kind of like, a, he's like, it's kind of like a business therapy maybe, or, and I'm like, yeah, it's almost like um, cathartic maybe for me, but really it's just like, um, it's this thing that I want it to be a lot of fun and just let people call in and share because a lot of people want to get this shit off their chest. Or if people hear the other stuff that's went down, they're going to feel really comfortable because, you know, starting a business like, you know, nobody tells you about what's going about to go down, right? And if you hear like, "Oh, our situation isn't that bad," listen to what happened to this person. Um, so yeah, so we shot or we recorded two episodes, and um, you know, it's doing well. I think we have three hundred almost. I think we had three hundred forty-three downloads in less than two weeks. Um, five stars, 25 reviews, given I'm asking everybody and their mother to, you know, promote it and whatever. Um, but, you know, we're getting reached out to by some really interesting people. Um, Spotify podcast development person I got connected with. Um, so we'll see. But, um, you know, it's already like this thing where um, it went well, first two episodes are in the can, and we pushed and just I mean, it was a really rinky-dink operation to get the first two out. And all of a sudden, like, now everybody has an opinion on the music and they're like, whatever. So that's the stage that we're kind of in right now. But, you know, ultimately, I had a ton of fun doing the Inside Outside podcast. I missed it. Um, I just didn't have the time to do it. And the way that we've set up failed disclosure is that it's like two hours a month from me. Um, and that's all I do. And I think it's got legs, man. I think it's, you know, um, if anything, it's probably like a good mental release. I, I know this, I haven't laughed so hard listening to stories or just laughed that hard in a really long time. And the last time that we recorded, which was last week, 
I left and my face hurt. I was crying. So I'm like, I don't even care at this point if like people listen to it. This is just like healthy for me to do it. <laughs> yeah. And, and my favorite part is, is having a platform express myself creatively that I can like really think and tell stories um, yeah. that like, regardless of what I do after this, whether it's like a full-time job because this pandemic thing has thrown everything up yeah. there, I still want that outlet. Um, I listen, yeah, I listened to an episode this morning. It was the one with the girl who was doing marketing for the Nazi. She gets <laughs> job, yes, and um, then like eight months into the job, she finds out her boss is a Nazi. <laughs> Like, like, you know, you know, and I feel bad because I might know this person, but I, you know, I'm not figuring out who it is and I don't care. But like, you know, that like, a lot of people had they taken that job would be like almost immediately or in the job interview process, like, oh, this dude's like a, this dude's like a Nazi. I don't know. But like the humor to me in that is that it took so long for her to figure out. And she was like, there's a little part where she goes, well, I don't know, I guess like he was wearing like a wooded necklace with like swastikas on it. And that made sense. And I was like, that was the thing. Yeah. Like, that's, like, yeah. that's what took you. Cause yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. And, and my takeaway was there's like nuance to hosting or to creating a podcast that like when you listen, I guess frustrates me when I see it not done well, that you guys just knock out of the park. Like oh, even, definitely. yeah. Like even the music, like when I first hit play the music, it starts out as like elevator music. Then in like two seconds, like a beat yeah. drop. And it's like very like disruptive, yeah. um, which is engaging. And then you and Clint, the intro, it, it describes the show, but gets to the point very quickly, That's which the cool, worst yeah. is like, yeah, five minutes in the podcast, the host is still draining on. Um, and then like um, Clint's good at asking questions and you like, are are just the counter like the the like it's kind of funny guy in the room but mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah and the banter between you two is really good so yeah i um highly recommend it and i um, i'm looking forward to upcoming episodes thanks man yeah i'm uh i've joked but seriously said like you know like oh i'm like the stoner guy on the couch like that's my role i'm okay with that right it's a nice it's nice not to be in charge of something but um i would tell people you know a lot of that came from you know, the music, I was just, we were spitballing. I was like, I don't know, like, we almost want it like you walk into HR, and they think you're asking about benefits, and then you lay it on them, like this terrible thing. And it just like the record scratches, and everybody's like, what? And I'm like, what is that? It's like, almost like elevator. And I was like, what's HR and like audio, like, it's almost like elevator music. But then like, you know, it's like the stone cold thing where like the bottle smashes and it's like, da I'm like, that's like, I think what I'm trying to describe. And then they just did it. And I was like, oh yeah, that sounds about, I think the, the music we want to tweak with, but the elevator music and a lot of, I guess my point is like a lot of the stuff is like the first recommendation. Like it, we got to the name fail disclosure. Cause I was like, what do you do when you talk to HR? you're giving them like a full disclosure so i think that's the cool part is that like we're kind of like winging it you know what i'm saying and it's working and then a lot of the structure i mean we literally are just listening to podcasts and we're like oh i like how this podcast does that what's our version of that i like how this does it so you know it's a lot of like copy and paste i would say and it's it's working and that's the difference i think between um innovation and invention right like i think it's really stupid for people to try to invent a new style of something 
Um, but I think it's really smart for people to innovate on something. And it's similar to like, you know, Steve Jobs was not an inventor. Like inventors don't really make money or see the success, you know, like Tesla, you know, like uh, was it Nikola Tesla? He was an inventor, right? Um, the innovator, which takes that thing and applies it to something, um, that's the that's the innovator, right? And so I would say that's what I like about the podcast, like kind of behind the scenes is like, we're not reinventing or inventing anything. We're just innovating on what's already out there. And I say, if you would look at historically me and how our company and everything, how I operate, I really try to do that is, is innovate, don't invent. Yeah. All right. Well, Paul, thanks for joining me today. I'm like 15 minutes over my schedule time. So um, I'll, I'll let you go, but thanks for, um, thanks Dude, for I'm good, man. Yeah. yeah. If you want to keep rolling, I'm good. If we want to call it, I'm good, you know? And that is it for today's episode. Thanks for being a member of the Commonwealth. If you enjoyed this conversation, please tell your friends about us and leave a review. If you're interested in helping us grow this community, please invite your friends to like our Facebook page. The link and directions are in our show notes. We release episodes every Monday, so stay tuned for next week.